Hey, this is Gary. This is Mike. And Daniel. We're not professionals. We're just three addicts sharing our experiences, strength, and hope regarding recovery. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other addicts and to practice these principles in our lives. Welcome to another episode of the 12th Step Podcast. My name is Gary. This is Mike. And this is Daniel. Guys, we assemble ourselves... Yes, even when one of us is on the other side of the country. I know. <laughs> I love technology. Isn't technology grand? It's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Well, we have an email from a listener tonight by the name of Hank, who has a question for us about shame. Before we jump into that, one yeah. thing I want to mention is I just want to, you know, I want to thank all of our listeners for listening to the, the podcast. Oh, yeah. And we just asked that they like, you know, our podcast and our episodes because it helps uh, the podcast grow. And now that it will help us get to a point where we can start having guests on the podcast. Um, so just go ahead and like it and that'll help us uh, grow and just want to say thank you. Yeah, we're, we're in kind of an interesting, an interesting point in the podcast development where we've started to get enough downloads. And, and now if we're going to, if it's going to grow, it's really going to fall upon you guys yes. liking. Yeah, so like like the show, like our posts uh, on social media, stuff like that. And, you know, if there are other individuals out there that are struggling that you know of, uh, tell them about the show um, because that's the only way we can really grow. All right. So, <clears throat> also, we love to hear from you, please. Yes, and we love please. hearing from you. We've had please. a lot of great listener emails. Oh, yeah. We, we love it when we hear from you guys and we get to hear your stories of hope and your questions. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump back into this. This, mess- or this email comes from our listener, Hank. And he says, Dear podcast team, I hope this message reaches you well. My name is Hank. I've been a longtime listener of your podcast. Your insights have been invaluable to me on my journey to recovery. I find myself struggling with persistent feelings of shame related to my addiction. Despite my efforts to maintain clean time, the shame continues to impact my relationships, work, and various aspects of my life. I am reaching out to seek advice on how to heal from this deep-seated shame. If you could share any guidance or strategies on overcoming shame in the context of addiction recovery, I would greatly appreciate it. Your podcast has been a source of support, and I believe your insights could provide valuable perspective on this challenging aspect of the recovery process. Thank you for all of your time and and the impactful work you do through your podcast. Best regards, Hank. So... Thanks, Hank. Thank you, Hank. <laughs> There's a lot of really nice words in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very, you know what, it's it's nice to be appreciated. It is. It really is. It, it, okay, so the, I, I think the first thing that we need to do as we jump into this, we begin to unpack it a little bit, mm-hmm. is maybe we should define, define our terms a little bit so that as we talk about shame, we're understanding it to be the same thing. Yes, Okay. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, that's probably a great place to start. So now you've got, I'm going to, I'm going to briefly describe, uh, feelings of shame and Mm -hmm. feelings of regret. Okay. When you regret something, okay. The feeling that you have 
tells you that you've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. The idea is it's supposed to be uncomfortable enough that it motivates you to change. Mm-hmm. Okay. Shame, on the other hand, or at least the way that that I understand it and and am going to talk about it through this podcast, shame is the feeling that it's graduated. It's moved beyond that. Now it's telling you that you're something wrong. Yeah. And it's not motivating. It's actually debilitating and quite crippling. Mm-hmm. It's a heavy, heavy burden to bear. It doesn't motivate you to change. In fact, it's, you really kind of begin to wallow in a lot of self-pity and despair when you're overcome by feelings of shame the way I'm describing it. Mike, you have anything you want to add to that? I think that's, uh, I think that's spot on. I think there's two things I would like to add. First of all, I do believe that uh, uh, the idea of, of um, that guilty feeling that's associated with doing something wrong that you first talked about, I believe, first of all, that's God-given. I don't, I don't think that that's, uh, there's, a, there's no purpose of that in life. I, I think that's intended to say, hey, look, I've, I've really done something that's, uh, that's rubbed against some sort of value that I hold or something that you know, society believes is wrong. Those sorts of things where guilt is a that that's a good thing. It, it motivates us to do motivates us to do something differently, and I think that's a that's a that's a, there's a reason why that exists. I guess is my mm. point. Mm-hmm. No, so uh, and I think that's I think that's relevant. I think that's really really important. That's entirely different than what you're talking about with the level of shame. Shame to suggest that uh, I've not, it's beyond I've done something wrong. It's now I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And that I don't believe is is uh, has any basis whatsoever. It, that that there's nothing associated with shame that is healthy related in terms of recovery. Yeah. So uh, so I I think that's relevant to to point those two things out because there's lots of sources out there that one can read about those feelings of guilt that motivate us to move in a different direction and move positively. Uh, there there's uh, you know my life is full of of, of points where a good positive correction from an outside influence was helpful and and the feelings that were associated with that knowing that I had done something wrong almost like a parent child you know hey look you've done something wrong here you need to make amends you need to do some things differently that's good stuff uh, but when we start feeling as though uh, it's beyond that that says not only have I done something wrong but I am wrong mm-hmm. uh, that I think is is uh, is well beyond and it may require it may require professional help to unwrap mm-hmm. that yes i mean certainly for myself that is what i had to do because for the longest time you know that shame was i'm wrong there's something wrong with me i'm broken and it took me working with shane and 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 going through uh you know recovery in that to finally unwind that to know my actions were wrong what mm-hmm. i did was wrong so that I could identify that healthy guilt mm-hmm. and realize that I was creating this shame-based reality based on, you know, and it, and it came from some of my own religious background, my own beliefs, uh, some of my own upbringing, but I had to break that apart and identify what parts were the actual, this is a wrong behavior, this is a wrong thing to do, and then, you know, that shame separating that to being okay, this is where I went off the deep end. This is where I, right. you know, I went the wrong direction with this. Mm-hmm. And so once I separated those, I was able to move forward and kind of work on those things. And it's, yeah, so really the first thing that you need to do is is give a little time and thought into separating the two and understanding the effects they have on you. You'll find that guilt, you can actually embrace it, and it can be a, a fantastic friend, a good, really mm-hmm. good indicator as to when you 
need to do a little step 10 work. Yeah. You know, uh, now shame, uh, you know, you, you're, you say, I find myself struggling with persistent feelings of shame related to my addiction. So the first thing that I think I would do in that situation is ask why, Mm -hmm. why, and try to get to the bottom of that. I mean, a a persistent feeling of shame and, you know, without any kind of time frames. And it says, despite your efforts to maintain clean time, I also take that to mean that you've had some success and some struggles with that. I mean, one of the things that Shane constantly asked me when I was doing stuff is, Mm -hmm. okay, so what does this benefit you? Yeah. Which was, it seemed really backward and asinine in a way. Like, why, why would I be doing this for it to benefit me? But really... What he was trying to get me to do is think, you know, why am I doing this behavior, continuing this behavior? And I would end up finding because it generally would, it would benefit me in, mm-hmm. in a way like I could play the victim or I could, you know, I could say, well, I just can't get rid of it when the truth is I can. It was just giving me an excuse to not work on it because, oh, this is just so above and beyond me. So there was always some unhealthy benefit tied to it. So maybe take a look into that and dive the, the, into the that. The feeling of shame and unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it benefited me in a way that I could play be, be stuck the in the victim. You know stance. what? There's also there's also some strange. There's also some strange. Uh, some what is absolution of. Well, if I am broken, if I really am, if yeah, that really it, is just me, then there's nothing I can do about yeah, it, so it, I don't have to try. Yeah, you you know, kinda, it gives that you that too. absolution that you just, oh, I can't do it anymore. You know, someone that has a, you know, a, oh, you know, an actual um, disability or, or mental health disability, you know, they can't really change them. That That's hardwired into them, but this isn't. Mm. You know, it's it's behavior-based. It's our coping mechanism. And so when well, we get, I don't, I, I was just going to interject here. Sure. I mean, uh, I don't get the impression in the writings from Hank that that's that's what he's suggesting. But I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. But I think I think there needs to be some professional diagnosis relating to that. What, yeah. yeah. What I, is it about that that says, hey, is this uh, is this well beyond the the level of? And I, you know, me personally, I'm not able to really. Um, I'm certainly not able to diagnose, especially off of his email, to say whether he is or isn't. He, I think it's professional help to be able to say, hey, what's the scoop here? You know, what are the things that's going on in your life that bring you to this place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that no, sense. That, that's definitely correct. You know, you need to have a therapist, a CSAT therapist helping you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very least, you know, uh, a sponsor or someone that has been down this path that can kind of give you some direction. Of course, they're more than likely going to say, hey, you need to see a therapist anyways. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, again, yeah. that reminds me of Shane's favorite saying, you know, our best uh, thinking your got best us thinking here. got you here. Yeah. You know, so I definitely yeah. wouldn't say, you know, do this on your own. Get some help. Definitely. And there, you know, there's it kind of surprised me when I started breaking apart my own my own addiction and getting to the very root causes of it. There was a lot of things that I didn't even initially recognize were associated with it or were the root cause. Mm-hmm. And I had to address a lot of those things before the, uh, you know, so that I could remove the need or the perceived need of, of the addiction. You know, I had to find a healthy way to, to deal with what was underneath and I needed yeah. professional help to, to sort through that. Yeah. I think there's yeah. also, there's also a little piece. I think some people hang on to the shame because they don't know what else to do. 
sometimes you just got to get out of your own way and let yourself win, you know? Right. Right. Absolute truth. Yeah, I agree with that. Maybe the place to start, maybe literally the place to start for some people is, uh, I mean, my own experience, my own experience when I'm feeling this, this sort of, uh, this feeling of shame is, is that I, I find myself very critical of others. Maybe the place to start more than anything is to extend a little bit of grace to those around us. Um, I, I think we tend to look through that lens that says, if I'm broken, everybody else is broken, sort of speak. And so um, uh, we just assume that everybody else is, is uh, um, struggling with the same thing we're struggling with, or they can't, you know, there's no possible way for them to be any better than with this than we are. There's, you know, or, or we see it as just the opposite. They're, they're so much better, they're not struggling with this at all. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that when we bring that back to a level of reality, everybody's struggling with something, and we can extend a whole lot of grace to others when we ourselves are feeling some level of despair. And what that does then is I think it has a, a, it has a real healing effect on us. It has an ability to say, look, if I can extend grace to somebody else for some of the things that they're experiencing, then I in turn can see how grace has a, has a place in my life as well, that I'm not as broken as I thought that I was. Uh, or that I'm not, yes, this guilt, I, I can I can keep it at a guilty. What's it trying to teach me that I maybe need to make a change here, but that I don't have to feel the shame associated with that, Yeah, if that makes and, any sense. And it's a slippery slope. It's easy to turn guilt into shame. Oh, yeah. It really is. It really is. Great point. Great point. One of the, I might suggest a, an author here, um, Probably the most renowned that I'm aware of, and that, you know, you may have some other insights, but Brene Brown has done mm-hmm. an awful lot of work in this area, and so i I would recommend I would recommend to uh, to Hank as he's as he's sort of unpacking this whole idea of shame and guilt that maybe he listens to some of the things that Brene Brown has to do mm-hmm. has to say about this because she's pretty she's a popular podcaster and has done an awful lot of research in this particular area, and there really is some science to this. Um, um, surprising to me, there's more science associated with it than I ever gave credit or credence to. You know, another thing, uh, in his email, he says, he says that it's, it's, uh, impacting his relationships, his work and various aspects of his life. And he wants to know how to, to heal from deep seated shame. The, the other piece, so it's affecting, sounds like just about every aspect of his life. Uh, but there's another line here. If, uh, if you would share any guidance or strategies overcoming shame in the context of addiction recovery, I would greatly appreciate it. I think that sometimes we we get ourselves into the thinking of thinking of a problem like shame only in the context of addiction recovery, like that somehow some kind of just insulated part of our life, not realizing that no, I need I need to find how shame is affecting me, not only it, when it, how it directly correlates with my addiction, but how I might be carrying that in the other aspects of my life as well, because it's all very connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That we don't, we don't live in the, we don't live in silos. We don't have a, we don't have activities that fall in this category and that category. And then somehow it's unrelated to uh, some, something else that's going on. The fact of the matter is, is the interrelation of all of those is relevant, mm-hmm. absolutely relevant. And so uh, to find you may find that it's not as addictive behavior that's causing the shame. It may be, it may be, uh, it may be something completely unrelated that then he acts out as a result of the shame. Yeah, because it's a that coping mechanism. Sense. Yeah, 
because it's a coping mechanism. That's right. So I think that's relevant and it's worthy. It's worthy to spend the time and effort on to find out what drives it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, he, I think I, I gather from the email, like this is just me interjecting here uh, what I see in the email, but I gather from the email that he's making the link of the fact that because of my acting out behavior, I'm experiencing this shame. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he needs to dig a little deeper. That's my, mm-hmm. that's the takeaway from all of this is that there's shame related to other parts of his and other aspects of his life. And as a result of that, then it drives him to want to act out, which only feeds then the shame. Right. If that makes yeah. sense. No, it does. I mean, in my life, uh, you know, uh, looking back, as I you know, worked on things, you know, there's a lot of shame around work. If I made mistakes, man, I beat myself up and I just piled the shame on there. You know, if I made mistakes in my relationship, that came in there. If I made mistakes as being a dad, like it just kept piling and piling and piling, you know, and, you know, and it's called a shame pit for a reason. It just kept pushing me further and further mm-hmm. down. Um, right. So there was more than just the acting out. I mean, that itself did apply shame, but there was so much more outside of the addiction that was adding more and more shame to my daily life. Mm-hmm. To just, you know, and then of course, because of that, you know, it was so much easier for my my addict to wrap that around and cir- circle back to. Here I am again. Mm-hmm. You know, I can act out because it's it copes. It allows me to mellow out, and you know, and I don't have to feel anything for a little bit. But then it compounds it because that right. that feeling comes back, you know, and then that adds more stress to my rela- my marriage or my relationship, you know, because she finds out she gets upset, you know, and then my kids are upset because of X Y Z. So it just it's a vicious cycle. So there is a lot more yeah. than just the addiction, um, you know, and it could be. You know, and then when, as I started working on it, I realized there was a shame component with, you know, how I grew up and with my family. So there are a lot of things that we don't really realize how much this branches off. Which yeah, I think a good therapist, I think a really good therapist would unpack so much about having to do with, uh, because in, in my own experience, much of the, much of the guilt or shame that I felt in, in a lot of cases had to do with, uh, my younger years, my relationship with my parents, my relationship with siblings, all of those things that my acting out behavior, those were, that was ripe, fertile soil for my behavior, my acting out behavior mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. take root. Yeah. And so when I was willing to deal with those issues, thinking now, you know, here I am, you know, closer to 60 than I am to 50, uh, um, that's a long time down the road still dealing with my, you know, my childhood. And the issues that are associated with that, never feeling like I was ever quite enough, and that that lends itself so heavily to the acting out behavior. So, I, I honestly just think that that to spend the work, to spend the time and effort in dealing with what was it, what we experienced in our childhood and our youth, will really help and will go a long ways to solving the relationship of the shame to his acting out behavior of this point in time. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it does. I. Maybe it's just the season, um, but I'm thinking of the scene uh, from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when okay. they're at the Island of Misfit Toys, and all those toys are just like, nobody loves us. I mean, you can see the shame in their face, you know, and then Hermie, you know, comes up, and even though he wants to be a dentist, he starts talking to them, and he starts getting them to realize there's more to them than just their their discarded toys, and then you you can see these you know, each of these toys like start to have this life come back to them. Um, and that's kind of, I'm, I'm seeing that, you know, with me and the shame I had, that's kind of how I was like, Oh, no one wants me. I'm, 
belong on the island of misfit toys. I even said that. I know I said mm-hmm. that multiple times. But now, you know, as I've worked through that, I've identified those things. That shame just isn't there. So <laughs> it's kind of weird that I just tied that together. <laughs> but um, okay, yeah, it, it's it really does work. I mean, I the I think the best thing that we can suggest is, you know, see a therapist, start unpacking, and seeing where all this comes from. You know, it's not just it didn't just show up one day. Right. There's a lot of different things that have brought you down this path that have taught you how to use shame instead of using guilt healthy in a healthy way you're probably using shame in other aspects of your life not even realizing how it's connected to your acting out behavior and it just keeps that thought process alive yeah since since we're making uh, cultural references to the holidays (laughs) go ahead i'll i'll also point out that remember in your story you're not Marley, you're Scrooge. Okay. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because when, when I was in my deep shame, the thing that I would tell myself is the same thing that Marley would say. It's too late for me. Yeah. It's too late for me. But you're not. You're... Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> Scrooge had another chance. It was a redemption. It's a beautiful story. Yes. Look it up. Read it. I read it every year. It brings me to tears. Um, the other thought that I wanted to bring up before we wrap up the podcast... Yes. is that it may take a lot of time and a lot of work before you understand what's at the bottom causing this kind of yes. stuff. In the meantime, like Mike suggested, give yourself a little bit of grace. Mm-hmm. you got to surrender some of those feelings to your higher power and just and just let go of it. You might not understand why, but like I said... A, a, that's hard to get your head around, but to a certain degree, you have to learn to just turn that over to God. Yeah. Uh, it remind, uh, Robert Downey Jr. struggled with addiction. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. It I reminds me of the thing he says, you got to learn to love, the, to hug the cactus. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. You know, sometimes it sucks, but you just got to, you know, got to let it go, accept that God's making the the changes for you and hug the cactus and eventually things get better. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And think, and if you can learn to give yourself that little bit of grace until you do understand, then it's, you, you'll begin to see your higher power for lack of a better way to say it. You'll, you'll see your higher powers hand in your life. Yeah. You know, give yourself a little bit of room, let that go, take it on faith right? Give it a little bit of room to grow. And then when the understanding comes, it'll seem miraculous to you. Sort of the ninth step promise. Exactly. Correct. Things that used to baffle us, things that used to be so completely unattainable, suddenly become attainable. And we look around and say, is this, you know, what is this power influence that's going on in our life? And, And how did this happen? And do we find that to be miraculous? No, it's just these sorts of things are going on because because we're allowing ourselves to experience the moment and live in the moment, and as a result of those those good things that are coming our way, uh, we can start letting go a little bit. See, and that's, that's, the, the, that's the crux of the ninth step yeah. promise. See, and, and the thing that I found with that is, you know, our higher power is even even now, you know, for Hank, it's still he's higher power is still influencing and doing. Oh, stuff. for sure. The only difference is yeah. is when we get to a point where we've done the work and we've 
let go of these things, we can actually recognize those things because, you know, when we're in the, our addiction in the crux of everything, that's all we see. You know, we have yeah. these blinders on. Um, and then we start seeing those blessings, those miraculous mm-hmm. things that are happening. And, you know, and sometimes, you know, the miraculous thing is it just didn't get worse. You know, it, it, it could have, but it just didn't get worse. Um, I'm going to add on to that. I'm going to add on to that as well, Daniel. I I think you hit on something that's really incredibly important, but I think there's also a snowball effect of that, Mm -hmm. right? Starts out small and grows larger and larger. When we start to recognize the hand of a higher power influencing our lives for good and seeing some good things that are happening for us, we start to see those more and more. Yep. And then what happens is, is we seek that. We want that. We recognize that. The reverse of that is also true, right? My life yeah. sucks. I can't mm-hmm. get on top of anything. And uh, there's this there's this cascading snowball effect of that as well. So when grace starts to make an appearance in a person's life and it translates it, you know, it may start out very, very small at first. Like, wow, this is my this is only my first day of clean time. Well, guess what? Tomorrow now I've got twice as much time. Well, yeah. a week from now I'll have three times as much. You can see that it's exponentially growing just that fast, if that makes sense. And yep. we start recognizing it more often, we start seeing it more often, and we start wanting it more often. And all of those things are positive things in our life. Mm. Yep, they are. And you'll find that, okay, for me, that trying to carry the burden or the shame of what I have done was absolutely crushing. Yes. And I had to learn to let that go. And I'll be honest with you, I depend on that even now, that letting that go. If I were if I were to take that back on myself again right now, it would be every bit as overwhelming and crushing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that I've had to learn to surrender and keep surrendered. And you have to let go with both hands. Yes. Not just one. You have to let go with both hands. Yeah. I like that you listened. I, I do listen. <laughs> I've had to do it quite yes, often. You've you got to let go with both hands. All right. Just like holding on with both hands, you have to let go of both Exactly hands. right. The other side of that, though, is it's important to always, it's important also just to, to at least remain connected to it in some way. Uh, and in my mind, it's a, it's a thought or a feeling because I never want to let go of the pain and sorrowing, sorrow and suffering that I mm. caused. Correct. Uh, completely because I want to be reminded of that. I want to be... I have a I have a problem in sort of the other side of things, and that is is that I don't experience or feel the sh- the, the the guilt or pain as much as I need to, hmm. uh, and so I never for me for me this is this is Mike saying I I never really want to let go completely of that because it helps remind me of of uh, where I've been, and I want and I want to be connected to where I've and, been and to I some don't extent. see and I think that's keeping that healthy guilt yeah it by you know having that memory there um it's not letting go you know, mm-hmm. it's letting go of the yeah. shame we can still have that guilt that's, there that's that ninth step promise again you don't close the door on the past correct that's right you don't there you know and that's and the guilt the those feelings have to be there enough to motivate you to change when i think about it i think man i'm never going back there yeah you know and and that little feeling i want to hang on to that because I've said this in the past. There are two things that I try to do. I try to, I very much try to give myself or remind myself that I am running away from something. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give myself something to run toward. Mm-hmm. Then I'm doubly motivated. 
Yeah. Right. No, again, I, I still think that's that healthy guilt that we can still hold on to. Yeah. We don't want to do that again. We do not want to it's do that again. It's just the shame we want to let go of. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well. Great, great topic, great conversation, and a great uh, a great email. Uh, thank you so much, Hank, for emailing us and, and uh, bringing that up. I think that's a, it's, it's certainly a relevant topic. There's so many people in this space that experience what he's talking about. So uh, I'm, yeah, glad yeah. He, I'm glad he's signed up to email that in and share that with us. And realize you're, you're still in the beginning of your journey, even if it is a few years in. Um, but you're starting down the right path. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to also just, just hang, just remember that, you know, uh, we are, uh, we are, we're three addicts who've experienced some level of grace in our own life. Uh, and, and it's going to be, you know, it may be a path for you as well, but the point being is, is that you have the ability to experience that very same thing. Mm. And grace has a way of displacing shame. Yes, it yes. does. Yes. Yes, it does. All right. Well, thank you. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate your continued support, and, and we love to hear from you. And we wish you all the best in your recovery. So this is Gary saying, do the next right thing. And this is Mike saying, do the work necessary to find the peace that recovery brings. And this is Daniel saying, find the humility in your recovery. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find us. As a fellowship of recovering addicts, Sex Addicts Anonymous offers a message of hope to anyone who suffers from sex addiction. Check out saa-recovery.org.